So I've entitled this message, we're going to talk about complaining. Oh my goodness. So here's rule number one, all right? You can't complain about what I say today, all right? So if it's terrible, at least don't do that, all right? Number one, okay, cool. Um, Also, I just, based off of first service, immediately you go, oh man, she should have been here. Oh man, he should have been here. Or oh man, I'm so glad he's here today. Yes, right? But I just want to tell you right up front, actually I'm going to pray. But I'm going to pray that you realize you need this. All right? Okay, y'all with me? So let me pray for you. We're going to have lots of fun today. Also, let me just say one other thing. Somebody asked me when they found out I was preaching on Mother's Day, they said, hey, is it going to be a Mother's Day message or a Father's Day message? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, Mother's Day is, you know, you're great, don't give up, you know, don't get, you know, lean in, you're beautiful, God loves you, all that stuff. Father's Day is like, you're not doing enough, you need to step up, you need to be a man. Like, hey, men, is, was that guy right or what, right? So I'm flipping it around, I'm bringing my worst today, all right? We're gonna, no, I'm just joking. Um, Anyway, let me pray for you. I'm already losing it. Father, thank you so much, God, for everybody that's here. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. And, and honestly, Father, I ask that you would um, take us on a spiritual journey these next few minutes. God, we get lots of opportunity to grow in physical and mental ways. God, I pray that we would spiritually grow. And Lord, I'm asking that you would uh, just kind of put the mirror in front of us and help us to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Moms, this is your day. And uh, okay, so I just, I, this last week, I, I put something up on Facebook and I asked this question. I asked if we could put it up. What about your kids drives you most crazy? Now, dads, you can fill in this as well, okay? You probably only needed about six seconds, right? You're like in the back pocket, you got like this folding list. You're like, I could, that's easy, right? So, um, and actually, I was overwhelmed at the response. Uh, we had over 50 comments, and I, I can't read them all, and I, but I do want to highlight just a few of them today, all right? So this is based off of that. Um, and so here's a couple. I'm going to keep them all anonymous, but somebody said, when my eight-month-old gasps for air for fun while I'm driving, so I have to pull over and check on. <laughs> no fun, right? Any parents can relate with that? You ever had that happen? Man, it's when they go quiet that you get nervous, right? Okay, Next. When teen girls ask permission to go out, ask your mom. No, ask your dad. Whatever your mom said. No, it's your dad's decision, right? This back and forth. Anybody experienced that before? Yeah? Okay, good. Great. Um, This next one. They just didn't even do an elaborate thing. They just said the sleep deprivation. And then another mom echoed and said, can we also add sleep regression to this? Could that be? And then a third mom simply just said, gave a picture of ice cream. Like just... Just straight up, you know, just give me a tub of Ben and Jerry's and I'll be okay. (laughs) Next one, last one here. They said talking, no, 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 screaming when you have a headache and then whispering when you need them to speak up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? (sighs) Somebody else said, I'm already, I don't know, I'm feeling anxiety right now. Uh, Tons of rooms in your house, yet they choose to find something to do in the one that, right? You tried to escape to for some privacy. Anybody know what you're talking about? Like the bathroom ain't even off limits. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's terrible. Uh, when I answer this question, if you know me, you'll get this. But like the number one thing that drives me crazy about my kids, and I think we do have some pictures of them. They're four and two by bundles of joy, is when they complain. 
I don't know about, and if you knew me, you would know this, but I am like a drama-free zone. So anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like you just don't do drama? Like I'd say most dudes, not everybody, but most dudes kind of do that. Any ladies don't do drama? You know what I'm talking about? Like now there's people that think they don't do drama, but you really do. Okay, so I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about real, like no drama people. Like I have people that they'll come up to me with drama and they'll like look at me and after about five minutes of chatting, they're looking at me like, you're a blank slate. You're not even hearing what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't understand. I like, I don't do drama, you know? So um, I just, I'm kind of wired that way. So complaining just kind of gets me. Anybody else? It just like drives me crazy. And so based off of my expertise as, a, as having four years of fatherhood, I want to give you the top, my top five level, not, not top five, my levels of complaining in the wolf household. Okay, so I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, okay? So here's what happens. They don't get what they want, and so they start out with words, okay? It's a good place to start. That's level one, right? So they would say things like, no, or I don't want to, or mine, right? They would just start complaining with words. But then level two, we're away from words, and then we lean into grunts. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And sometimes the words and the grunts kind of come together. This is level two, right? So it's, it's no, I want to. Yeah, right? And so they just, that was pretty good, I thought. I see it every day, so I'm very aware. Okay, so that's level two, all right? Then level three is the grunt gets louder, all right? So then the grunt comes to a scream, all right? So um, somebody the other day, they said, um, they're like, hey, we'd love to take you and Natalie and your kids out to lunch. Natalie and I are like, no, you don't. You don't. I mean, like, because when this stuff happens in public, which it always does, you think it won't, and then it absolutely does, right? And then they get home and they're quiet. They just... So this is like therapy for me, okay? So like you guys are my therapist today, and so I don't know if you're going to get anything out of this, but I'm going to really feel better after today, okay? Um, so it turns into screaming, and then screaming turns into throwing. So whatever we can find, I mean, we're just lobbing stuff. That's at least in our household, that's what happens, right? And then level five is what I call FBL, just full body limp. Like, <laughs> any parents know what I'm talking about? Right? Like, they've, they've walked through all of this with so much energy that the fifth level, they have no more energy. And so they don't, they don't even have enough energy to stand. They just flop over. <laughs> and like, they're done. And these, ladies and gentlemen, are the wolf five stages of complaint. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just very good. Thank you. I don't, that's, that may be the best thing you get out of today's message. So just, it's probably all downhill from here. Another example, my wife is Puerto Rican and she can cook, right? So last week, like about 10 days, a week and a half ago, she made from scratch arroz con pollo. Yeah. Phenomenal. For everybody else, that mean, that, that's rice and chicken. Okay. That's what that means. All right. Uh, you probably already knew that. So, and she cooks this, I mean, the aroma is filling and like the rice and it's all together and it's in the pot. It's just so good, right? So, and my son won't even try it, all right? Now, I don't know about you, but that just makes me want to lose my mind, right? I'm like, so I'm like sitting there and I'm like, okay, Ethan, look, eyes, look at me. Son, you are only here today. Because mom and dad had a moment. Okay? I mean, you don't, like, you wouldn't even be in existence if it wasn't for us. 
And then we went to work this week, and we made money. And then we air-conditioned the building (laughs) so you can play. And then my wife didn't go to Aldi's, which is where I like her to go. She went to Publix. And we got fresh ingredients. And she came home and she cooked this. The aroma filled your nostrils as you played in the air-conditioned building that I pay mortgage on. And you won't even try it. And then he walks through the five stages of complaint. I am like ready to lose it. My kids are excellent complainers. But aren't we as well? Right? I mean, let's just be honest. We're very good at complaining, right? And lucky for us, God has something to say about this. In fact, I want to bring you two different passages of Scripture. We're going to do some teaching today. I would encourage you to take notes on your phone. Um, But I want to take you to an Exodus passage, which is in the Old Testament. And I want to take you to Philippians in the New Testament. And what we're going to learn in the Old Testament is what not to do. And then what we're going to learn in the New Testament is what to do. And uh, I had multiple people walking out of today, and they're like, I need those notes. My whole coworker, they all complain all the time. I'm going to use this, right? So maybe you're perfect, but you might need to take notes so that you can tell somebody else about this, all right? We're going to have some fun. Y'all with me? All right, turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 14 if you're there. Exodus chapter 14, verse 11. And if you don't know the story, let me fill you in. Uh, there's these guys, the Israelites, which is AKA, they're God's people, and they have been in, in slavery in Egypt for almost 400 years. And God has a plan to take them out of slavery and bring them into the promised land. And that metaphor is still true to us today, that God wants to take us out of our, out of our spiritual slavery and bring us into the promised land of heaven. It's pretty exciting. And so he, in Exodus 14, he's brought the Israelites out of slavery And the Israelites have no reason to complain, by the way, yet they find themselves complaining. Now, remember that thought for later. They have no reason to complain, yet they find themselves complaining. I mean, if you know the story, God sends 10 plagues. I mean, miracles. You can't, there's, you couldn't, the only way you could explain it is that it's a God thing, right? He raises up this leader named Moses and Aaron, his sidekick, and they, right, he, he gives, if you know the story, he gives them manna from heaven, like heaven food all the time. Uh, they, they hit a rock and water comes out to bring them nourishment and their clothes never wear out. And I mean, it's just miracle after miracle after miracle. And he's bringing them, remember, into a promised land. And here's what the Israelites say. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Verse 12, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. You know what the Israelites did? They complained. So I think what we need to do here today, y'all with me? Is, are you? Because I'm not sure. Okay. I, I want to define what complaining means. I think that's pretty important, right? So let me throw this up. Here's, here's my simple definition of complaining, and I've compiled this. I probably spent a whole day just trying to figure out this definition because I think it's important. Is a negative declaration of disappointment. It's a negative declaration of disappointment. Now, let me clarify what complaining isn't. You can state a fact and that does not equal a complaint, right? So let's just clarify that. So if you get a bad diagnosis 
from the doctor, stating that fact is not a complaint, that's not a sin. You're simply stating what happened. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what you do with that statement that becomes the issue. Now, let me show you, let me show you again in, in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 10, verse 5. Some of you know this passage. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive. In other words, you're going to have circumstances hit your life. You're going to have moments of challenge hit your life. You're going to have thoughts that are ungodly. Did you know that God's not going to take all of those away from you? I don't see that in Scripture. Now, it's what we do with those thoughts that becomes the issue. And so we can either take a thought of disappointment or of negativity or whatever the circumstance or challenge might be, and we can either do one of two things. We can bring it to God or we can go negative. And when we go negative is complaining. It's a negative declaration of disappointment, all right? And so the Israelites are complaining, which brings me to my next question, which is this. What about you? What in your life today do you complain about most? <laughs> we got over this side, we have statements that are flying, right? <laughs> what in your life are you, do you complain about? What do you, what do you find yourself kind of just wrestling through, right? So um, it could be that, you know, I thought I'd be married by now. I, th- I thought we'd have kids by now. And then you get married and have kids. And you're like, I, why did we ha- get married and have kids, right? <laughs> and I wanted green grass. And now it's not as green as his grass. And so I need greener grass because the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, and, and just what do you complain about? So, like, you know, we had a struggle, and my boss, I, my boss drives me crazy. And that meeting, oh, I hate those meetings. We have meetings upon meetings upon meetings. I'm sick of the meeting, right? We can just, I can't stand whatever, whatever the thing might be. The Wi-Fi is slow. Netflix has nothing on anymore. <laughs> Movie tickets are $12. What? What happened? God, are you real? You know, <laughs> what's happening to us? We have these complaints that can happen. Let me show you this picture. This is the number one complaint of Central Florida. You don't know what this is. This is I-4. And all these cars are not actual cars. They're boxes of complaints. And they're just flooded right now. And you're not complaining until you pull. Is it good? You like that? Thank you. I'm welcome. Thank you. And you're good until you actually get on the on-ramp. And then the moment you get in there, the bubble comes above the car. And you're like, I can't stand this car. Right? It just drives you crazy. What happens to us in cars, by the way? I don't know. I don't even want to know. We all go wild, right? Which then, let me ask you this. All right, we need to answer this question. But why is this such a big deal? I mean, why are we taking Mother's Day and talking about it? I mean, what's the big deal? Why, can I, can't I be a Christ follower and think my boss is an idiot? I mean, can't, like, like I just want to have, like, it, it's therapy for me. Like, I just, I, I can't stand that meeting. My kids drive me crazy. I don't like my car. I just got to get it out. Like, what's the big deal? Why, why can't I just, why can't I worship God on Sunday and complain on Monday? Like, why is this such a big deal, right? Which is a good question to ask. And let me tell you, complaining is a big deal. Let me show you what Moses says in Exodus. He tells the people, listen to this. He says, you're not grumbling against us. Your complaining is against God. 
your issues with Netflix or Wi-Fi or whatever the... I, I, I'm serious. I don't care what it is. Your, your complaints aren't against the person. They're really against God. Listen to me. If you're writing any notes, you might want to write this down. Complaining is way more spiritual than you think. It's way more spiritual than you think. Complaining reveals a lot about what you think of yourself. It also reveals a lot about what you think of God. Every complaint, could I say, is a theological statement about who you are and who God is. It's a big deal to God. It should be a big deal to us. Let me tell you what complaining will do. Complaining will lead you to a lack of purpose. We see this in Exodus. God, remember, he didn't bring them out to the desert to die. He brought them, he was, the plan was to bring them through the desert to live. And they were on their way to a promised land. They were on their way to a purpose and complaining stopped them. It should have only taken them 11 days to get there and it took them 40 years because they kept complaining. What about you today? Are there areas in our lives that we just keep complaining about? I'm telling you, it will, you, will, you will get a lack of purpose. Second thing, we know this to be true, don't we? Complaining will lead to unforgiveness. We'll find ourselves mad at people that they don't even know we're mad about. We're, we can't forgive because we just keep complaining about them, which will lead to a root of bitterness. And I'm telling you, that's not a good place to be. Complaining will mess you up. And listen, if you're taking down any more notes, I got one more and then you may not need to take any more. But there's two reasons why we complain. Number one is because we've never realized or experienced God's goodness. Just let that sink in for a moment. I'll preach a little later, but let me teach for a moment. Number one, one of the first reasons is because we never have realized, we've never tasted and seen that God is good. That's okay. I pray you do today. Or number two is this. We just forgot. We complain because of one of these two reasons. We either have never experienced God's goodness or we forgot God's goodness. The Israelites, they forgot. They forgot the plagues. They forgot the fact that they're breathing. They forgot how big God is. They forgot that he's got a purpose. They forgot that he has a plan. They forgot that they don't even deserve to even breathe another breath. Yet God, because of his mercy and his goodness and his grace and has been poured out on them, right? Amen? Amen. But the truth is that we can do the same thing, can't we? We can forget quickly. And isn't it like Jesus? It's like he's really smart. It's like he's like God in flesh. Because he told us to, on a regular basis, partake in communion. Do you know the number one reason why we take communion? So we remember. Because we are prone to forget. And when you forget God's goodness, I'm telling you, I think it's, I think it's a pendulum. You forget God's goodness, you're going to start complaining. And the more you see God's goodness, the less you're going to complain. Now, let me show you. It, and, uh, l- let me show you some practical stuff. Dr. Travis Bradbury, he wrote Emotional Intelligence. Great read. He said this. He said, repeated complaining hardwires your brain to do more complaining. In other words, the more you complain, the more you're going to complain. Isn't that true? You will find it easier to be negative than positive. And he goes on to say that we will develop a confirmation bias, which is what this is what I mean. You continue to complain, so then you continue to complain to the point that you finally have a bias towards something before you ever even get to it. So what we'll say is all men are blank. All women are blank. All dads are 
blank. All pastors are blank. Some of you, you did not even want to show up to church today. You're only here because your mom or aunt or somebody forced you to be here. You already walked in here with a confirmation bias. You already came in here saying, that church isn't for me. That church is too large. That guy's hair is too red. He's too tall. I don't like this place. What's up with the fog? Like You came in here with a bias, wanting church not to work for you. I'm serious. And I pray God just messes with that today. Well, and, right, and then because of past experiences, man, I've got a bias towards my present circumstance. And so I'm never, we're never going to do that. That's not going to work out. That's exactly what the Israelites did. You know what the Israelites did? Love this. They put on the glasses of disappointment. Man, I can't stand that place. Too cold. This food stinks. Chick-fil-A is terrible. I don't know. Like, just, you know, like, I don't like my stuff and my wife and this and that. And like, just, and we walk through the, the five levels of wolf levels of complaining, right? We use words, grunting, screaming, we're throwing, full body lip. This life stinks. Can I tell you, no one likes to be around people that wear the, glint, the lenses or the glasses of disappointment. It's a challenge when we're called as Christ followers to be the salt of the earth. Yet all we do is just murmur and complain about everything that God's given us. I told you I would have preached to you today. The Israelites put on the glasses of disappointment. And can't we as well? We can take a circumstance, we have a thought, and we can either go negative or we can go towards God. And we have a propensity to kind of naturally go negative, right? Let me ask you this question. Could there be a better way? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you what's so awesome about this is that this better way isn't just six steps, like self, this isn't like self-help process. I'm telling you, there is a better way that is spiritually transforming to your heart and life. It is something where, because there's a point in you that you can't actually out, you can't get beyond you, but because of Jesus, because of the power of his Holy Spirit, because of his goodness and his grace, God can actually do a work in you that's so deep that you will actually stop complaining in certain areas of your life. It's actually possible. So let me show you Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two, the author here is Paul. And if you know anything about Paul, Paul is writing this letter, not from a platform, but from a prison cell. And if anybody had a right to complain, naturally, it's Paul. The Israelites did not have a right to complain and they complained. Paul had every right to naturally complain and he didn't. Paul, if you know anything about the story, he always wanted to go to Rome. He always wanted to preach to Rome. And he always envisioned that his life, that he would end his life and that he would go to Rome as a preacher. But you know how he showed up to Rome? As a prisoner. And he finds himself on a damp, dark, wet prison cell, chained in shackles. And listen to me, he did everything God called him to do. That's challenging. He did everything right. I think sometimes, especially in America, we think that following God means that our house is only going to get bigger and that our cars are only going to get better and that our bank accounts. Listen, I'm not saying that that's not bad. I'm not saying that, listen, we can't give what we don't have, right? But last time I checked, we died to self in order to follow Christ. So all that stuff doesn't even make sense to me. I only think it makes sense to God. But, so we have to wrestle with Philippians because he did everything right, yet he finds himself in a prison cell. And here's what he says. This is why this is so powerful. 
He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing or complaining so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. In other words, listen, everybody else is going to put on the glasses of disappointment, but not, not followers of Jesus. Right. Everyone else is going to forget, or maybe they've never realized God's goodness, but not us. And he goes on to say this. He says, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I'm going to rejoice with all of you. As he sat there in a prison cell, everybody, he is rejoicing in what God has done and is doing in his life. And so he goes on to say to, to the church at Philippi and to us, he says, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. You know, the Israelites put on the glasses of disappointment. I got another pair, you know that, right? But Paul put on the glasses of gratitude, y'all. <laughs> he put on the glasses of gratitude, which I want to give a couple thoughts with Paul here. Paul changed his perspective on his circumstance. You know, I, th- I don't know about you, but if, I think if we're honest, we're, we really want God to change our circumstance, but we're not really open to him changing our perspective. Like, God, I don't want you to mess with how I think about this, this situation. I just want you to change it. And then at that moment, I'm going, okay, who's God? Are you or is he? What's that about? So maybe, maybe, and listen, I'm not saying we don't pray for circumstances. Evan just got up here earlier. We are believing God. To, we are contending for him to change our circumstances. But maybe should we pray first that, God, you would show me a different perspective, Maybe we could take that thought captive and say, God, before you even change my circumstance, would you do a work in me? What a level of maturity that I believe God is wanting to bring you and I to in his life. And you know, when it came to Paul, he, is, he, was, he was not going to go negative, but he stayed positive. Stayed full of faith. He stayed on God's goodness. He stayed on God's faithfulness. He stayed on God's mercies. He changed his perspective. There was no circumstance that was going to rob him from his worship and his obedience to God. I pray that could be said about you and that would be said about us. I don't know about you, but may I just pray that this this message just kind of puts a backbone in us today. Like just, just, I mean, I, I think the church at large in America needs a backbone. Not, not tossed by the ways of the sea, but even when, even when, it, even when difficulties come, they, they don't drive us away from God. They drive us deeper into God. They bring us to a place. They don't bring us to, which brings me to point number two. You know what Paul did? He turned his complaints into prayers. That's what he did. He turned his complaints into prayers. He took that thought, and instead of going negative, he went to God. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with gratitude, with faith, with vision, with optimism, with a joy in our step, even in the midst of prison, even in the midst of shackles, even in the midst of pain, man, let's come to God and let's present our request to God. Which brings me to my next point. You know what? Complaining won't change a thing, will it? We know that, don't we? Like, we know it won't change a thing, yet doesn't it just feel good a little bit? I mean, let's just be real, right? It just feels good to just kind of get some stuff off your chest. Man, I just got to get it all out, right? And I get that, right? But can I tell you what will change everything? Prayer. I mean, let's just look at this. Just, just, add, just see it as what it is. You either can complain or you can pray. 
Complaining won't lead you anywhere. It'll only lead you worse. It'll lead you to a confirmation bias. It'll lead you to roots of bitterness. It'll lead you to a lack of purpose. Or we can present our request to God and say, God, I don't understand this, but I'm believing and trusting that you're good, which brings me to point number three, which is this. Paul saw God's purpose in his circumstance. He saw God's purpose in the midst of his circumstance. Might I challenge you today? Would you take a moment and whatever challenge or struggle or situation you might be going through today, could you ask a powerful question? Would you say, God Almighty, would you show me your purpose in the midst of this? If you're not going to get me out of prison, then show me why I'm here. And I'm going to still give you glory whether it works out or not. Look at what he says, so powerful. Philippians 1, verse 12. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Oh my goodness, I love this. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He says, listen, I know you thought... You thought the glasses of disappointment. I know you're, you're thinking that I'm, woe is me and this isn't going to work out. But in reality, God is, is actually using this for his purpose. Yeah. And so in the midst of it, he puts, his on, he puts on those glasses of gratitude. And let me say it like this. Paul's, in essence, going, listen, I know you think I'm chained to this prison guard. But did you ever think that maybe the prison guard is chained to me? I, in my mind, I thought that the way Rome was going to come to Christ was by me preaching on a platform. I didn't realize that God had a different plan because every eight hours, high-ranking official Roman guards that oversee lots and lots and lots of people are chained to me, and they all ask why. So you think I'm the prisoner? I'm not the prisoner. That Roman guard is the prisoner to the goodness of God. He saw that, he looked at chains from a completely different perspective. Let me ask you a question today. What are you chained to? What are some things in your life today that seem to be a chain around your wrist or your ankles? Maybe it's a financial struggle. Maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe it's something with your kids. Maybe something with your marriage. Something with an in-law or a family member. Might, may we be bold enough to say, God, would you show me your purpose in the midst of this? What a place to be. I want to see that in every single one of our lives. So let me conclude, and I'm going to just wrap up and clarify some things here. Complaining is negative declaration of disappointment. We complain because of one of two reasons. Number one, we've never realized God's goodness. Or number two, we forgot. And complaining will lead us down. But you know what? God has a different plan. We can put on the glasses of disappointment or we can put on the glasses of gratitude. I want, I want to show you, I just want to do a quick parallel between the Israelites and Paul. The Israelites forgot. They forgot the, they forgot the miracles that God has done in their lives. You know what Paul did? Paul remembered even in the midst of his circumstance, he still remembered God's goodness. You know what else the Israelites did? They were negative. You know what Paul was? Positive. Even in the midst of his circumstances, he was positive. 
He was full of faith, man. He wasn't backing down, which leads me to my third. Israelites were full of doubt, right? Why did you bring us out here? This is never going to work out. And, and man, if we don't watch it, we can be there too. I've already prayed for that and God didn't move, so I'm never praying again. Right, man, we just get these thoughts, man. That church will never grow. Our city will never be saved. That, that son will never come back to faith. And in our hearts, we start to develop this doubt that God never called us to, to, to believe or contend for. But you know what, Paul? Paul was full of faith. Hell or high water, man, I'm gonna worship God. And God is good, and he's on the throne, and he's gonna work this thing out. He's good. And can I tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus, even if you die at the stake, it's still good. It's still good. Heaven is on its way. We don't talk about it enough. We don't dream about it enough. But heaven is amazing. He's amazing. God's amazing. Let me bring you to the fourth one. Israelites were just angry, right? But you know what Paul was? Joyful. Right? I mean, he said, be joyful. Rejoice. Join me in joying. I I heard C.S. Lewis said that laughter is the soundbite of heaven. Laughter is the soundbite of heaven. And you today, you have two choices to make. You can put on the glasses of disappointment or you can put on the glasses of gratitude. I don't know about you guys, but I wanna put on the glasses of gratitude. I I want us to read together this last Psalm and then I wanna pray for you. Can we read this together on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. I don't know about you, but I'd rather focus on this. Can I tell you, you'll be a better friend You'll be a better husband. You'll be a better boss if we put on the the glasses of gratitude. And he's so good. And before I pray for you, I just, I I wanna take this moment because if we don't watch it, we're gonna think that we just gotta, man, I just gotta keep these glasses on. (laughs) You know, like, like, oh, oh, that terrible thing. I gotta keep them on. I gotta keep them on. I gotta keep them on. I gotta, and we think that like we're all on our own in this spiritual growth failing to realize that actually the number one way we grow is not by work, but by surrender. And so instead of trying to keep, 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 you know, you know what we do is every area, we just, we just turn it over to God. Here's what I'm trying to say. I don't want you walking out of this room thinking that you need to work, 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 work. I pray that you would, at the end of this moment, present your weaknesses to God and ask him to transform your life. That's the beauty of the gospel, is that we don't need a seven-step help whatever. Not that those are bad, but can I tell you, Jesus wants to transform you. He wants to change you from the inside out. He wants to free you from those bad mindsets. He wants to free you from those confirmation biases. He wants to set you free today. It's available for you. Would you stand to your feet all across this place? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I gotta take a moment. I wanna ask you, if you're here and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you've 
never experienced God's goodness, today is your day, I pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you say, you know what? I need God to save me. I need to save him from my sin, which we've all fallen short of God. No one is outside of that today, me included. I need him to save me from my doubt. I need him to save me from my issues, my challenges. I need a savior. Can I tell you, I've got good news. Jesus came to save and he wants to set you free today. And the first step is a personal relationship with Jesus. If you're here today on Mother's Day 2018, I believe this could be a game changer for you. Every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here and you say, you know what? I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna make him my God. If that's you today, a count of three and I want you to lift your hand and when you lift your hand I got ushers that are going to bring you a connection card so don't freak out when they come no one's looking around but if you're here today you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you want one I'm going to count of three you say pastor I'm making that decision pray for me one come on this is your moment don't wait any longer two three that's you lift your hand come on it's not by accident you came today this is your day Mother's Day 2018 say yeah man I'm I give my life to Christ today greatest decision you will ever make is to say yes to Jesus and receive his forgiveness for your sins. Anybody else just want to give another 10 seconds here? Amen. Amen. You're making that decision. It's not too late. Lift your hand if that's you and say, yeah, pastor, would you pray for me? I'm, I'm, I'm making a decision to follow God today. Would you pray for me? I want to pray for you. You can put that hand down if it's all across this place. Let me pray for you. Father, I lift up every decision that's been made towards you today. And we celebrate the coming home of children today to you. And God, I pray that as they start this new relationship with you, that God, you would do a spiritual work in every single one of their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, the team, I've asked them to sing a song and give you a moment to reflect on where you are with God today. This is a tough message. It's not easy. But if you are struggling in areas of complaining, can I tell you that you have a moment to let that go and release that to God today? And so the team is going to sing a song. And as they sing, you, I want you to take a moment and reflect. And let's, let's lay down those glasses of disappointment and let's pick up those glasses of gratitude. Amen. What you saying?